Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. It's Thursday. You've been just just pulling up. You've been hitting refresh on that feed. You've been wanting them. You've been needing them. Yes, it is time for the next edition of The Locks with, with Sprinkles. We, uh, we didn't have the sprinkles for you last week, but we got them Do now. Do we have the dentist this week, Barton? I mean, the dentist sent me a pick, but I feel like the dentist has got to earn his way back in. Like, he doesn't have to get hot or he have to come correct with like, yo, I got uh, 10 grand on this one. You may want to throw this <laughs> out there. Like, I just don't want the dentist just like, just like casually being like, yeah, I like this team this weekend. I mean, come on. Like, let's, let's like, I, I want to, I want something, I want something dramatic. Again, plus the dentist is sort of an SEC guy anyways. Right. I was going to say, like, we can't let him in until September 26th. I need yeah, to I have let either the next Ole Miss. Week. Yeah. Yeah, we need Ole Miss or Mississippi State uh, <laughs> to be able to, to be informing his lock, especially after his uh, triumphant uh, Egg Bowl result of 2019. By the way, the dentist has got a, a great story trying to go to Vegas to collect his Egg Bowl winnings in the time of COVID uh, <laughs> back in March. <laughs> The dentist had no hesitation taking a flight out to Vegas to collect his uh, five-figure check or whatever it was. Good nice. for him. Uh, all right, to review the last week, week two, week two action according to the rest of us, week one according to Tom and the Lockstock still holding on to that. Let's uh, let's look at Tom's results. There was a win in that Louisiana-Iowa State under at 57, and then the L's pile up. Notre Dame did not cover the 20 against Duke. Clemson did not cover 32.5 against Wake. Syracuse, right side. That game was 10-6 to entering the fourth quarter. Did not cover against North Carolina. Arkansas State, Kansas State got way out of control. Not only does Kansas State lose, but they were able to overcome crosswinds conditions and that went over 54 and a half that is one in four on the week three and five on the season tom are you uh thrown off your mark or, or you feel like you're seeing the board better this week oh well, i'm no longer calling it week one i'm calling it week one at four and i am <laughs> i have absolutely no problem with any of the picks i made last week they just didn't go right like i said kansas state that under was dependent on kansas state controlling the game kansas state didn't control the game Syracuse, Lee said that was the right side for three quarters. Things went haywire in the fourth. Clemson took out its starters and Duke's offense. You know, they they just they were just a little rusty. So no, I, I haven't. I'm fine. I'm going to bounce back just fine this week. Barton uh, with a, a bounce back week of his own in week two. The under for UAB Miami. I mean that was uh, that was a great call right there. That's a winner. He is also taking an L in Notre Dame minus 20, also taking an L in the Clemson minus 32 and a half, but he's on the other side of that fight with, uh, with North Carolina. Is, was that the right side, Barton, the whole way? You felt it? No sweat. That was the right side. The, 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 it piled up. Second half, things piled up, you know, got out of control quick. Um, it's always the right side to bet on 
Maverick and Iceman <laughs> against a, some Soviet Better nerd. to be lucky than good. Te- <laughs> Texas uh, is back and covered 42 and a half against UTEP. And then Charlotte did stay within that number. I got what, out to an cost. <laughs> <laughs> but, and we'll, uh, yeah, Charlotte uh, won't be playing against North Carolina. A Thursday morning scratch from the card. Uh, they were 29 and a half point dogs. Did anybody think about taking the the Niners? Or are we going to load up on the Tar Heels uh, with insider information? <laughs> I told you guys that I had a little birdie that told me in the last 24 hours to load up on the heels that Charlotte was having some issues. <laughs> and so I was like getting ready to, and literally just got the news. So I was definitely ready to go in on the heels, which could have been a disaster. Like, cause you never know what's going to happen right up to game day. And I think that like, that's a trend I'm trying to keep an eye on is the massive overreaction trade, uh, a play like, Oh, we know this essential. This we know what this means. We know the result. And when you get too confident in the result, is usually when it goes the exact other way. I was uh, I was ready. I was typing up an ACC picks column for today, and I was ready to take Charlotte plus the twenty nine and a half, knowing Chris Reynolds was out, but all in on Dom Schaffner, the former Monroe College dual threat quarterback, to come in and lead this ground attack, kind of bucking the other way. Buy on bad news, but. Hey, game got canceled, canceled from the column. I don't have to uh, take an L right there because Charlotte doesn't even have seven offensive linemen to compete. I'm just disappointed that we're going to have to wait a little longer to our test our new North Carolina at the start of the fourth quarter principle, live betting. Yeah, um, love it. Next scheduled game for North Carolina, October 3rd. So, Oh, wow, birthday. we got a little wait, huh? Yeah, we got a little And, you know... It, like ACC might end up rearranging some schedules to take advantage of like they're off this week and then open again next week. But if you're North Carolina sitting with that number 12 beside your name, I say, let it cruise, right? Just (laughs) take advantage of all that time. Just hanging up in the rankings, uh, four and two for Barton. It is a bounce back and four and five on the season. Uh, my card chip, uh, Louisiana plus 12 at Iowa state. Uh, a money line sprinkle on CBS Sports HQ, that cash. But all that's important here for the locks was staying inside that 12. The Clemson Wake under 60 and a half is a win. The Duke Notre Dame under 54 and a half was a win. Uh, the Fighting Spavitals gave us an exciting game, but they were never really looking like they were going to cover that eight and a half. That was an, that was an L that I, I felt on the lock side. I was very certain of early. And then uh, we mentioned, I was also in on that Arkansas state, Kansas state under 54 and a half that got out of control three and two winning week uh, puts me at six and four for the season. Danny UAB under UAB Miami under 55 cashes. Clemson Wake under cashes UNC minus 23 cashes then uh, taking an L in that Clemson minus 32 against Wake taking an L in that Georgia Tech Florida State over 51 and a half bruh mm. you felt, when when did you feel like that one had gotten out of control Third quarter. I yeah. thought there was a chance. Second half adjustments. You settle into the game. I mean, I, I actually thought Georgia Tech was going to be able to put up some points. They were driving the field. Then you had turnovers in the red zone. So I don't think it was a horrible play looking back on it, but definitely was not feeling it in mid-third quarter. I was like, there's no way they're reaching this tunnel. And again, like weather delays, start taking guys off the field. You delay the game. It just it's, it messes with the flow of the game. And I think that always uh, affects the offenses more. 
And then Missouri State at Oklahoma over 66 and a half, also a loss. Did you end up buying the pay-per-view? I did not. I didn't have to. What was it? 28 nothing after the first quarter. I was like, I'm good. I don't think we have to waste any time. That was a purely let's wait and see how this unfolds. No need necessary. Uh, three and three on the week. Five and five. I mean, just perfectly uh, uh, all level. It's uh, the worst. I'd rather be two and eight than five and five. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hate it. Nice. All right. You guys ready to lock it up? Let's do it. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming since 2005 when Service Academy's Come get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. No Thursday night action this week and a lone Friday game. I do not have a play on it. So for the interests of those listening to this, does anybody have a Coastal Campbell play? Nobody going to take on the pride of Myrtle Beach and the Harvard of Harnard County and Bowie's Creek. Myrtle Beach, Bowie's Creek rivalry? Come on. Did y'all see who the head coach of Campbell is? It's Mike Minter. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. That's that's pretty pretty neat. I'm trying to figure out if I'm required to give a Twitter tip of the day for this game tomorrow. <laughs> it's a big number. <laughs> I know. It's just I don't normally do like FCS games, but I feel like in a season like this where there's no other weeknight games this week, I feel like there's an obligation to do it, but I don't really want to. So Put Cam- it out there. I'll, I'll jump on it whenever so, you put it out. <laughs> so Campbell, I guess, covered the spread against the 33 players down Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nearly got the outright win. Nearly got the outright win. Mm, okay. Got a, little, got a little experience practicing against the option, you know? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. <laughs> Follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Fernelli to see if he's got a uh, a Twitter tip of the day on uh, on this. Let's see. You could you could just do a like a principal principal Friday night under, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll get in the lab. I'll see if anything pops up. Okay. All right. Well, then, uh, then as the uh, as the leader of this group, I'm going to get things started on Saturday at noon. It will be the 2020 debut for two teams from Texas. A game that was added to the schedule late. Uh, as the the schedule shifting has put some of these uh, matchups uh, to the forefront. A very limited time to prepare. And so as I'm looking at Dana Holgerson and Houston going up against Dave Aranda and Baylor, I think that uh, not only am I fading Dave Aranda, first-year head coach in his very first game, I'm also fading him in a spot where they've had limited time to get ready for Houston. And I think that in this game, uh, it is the perfect opportunity for the Cougars to come into this and give it that kind of uh, you know, this is the most important game of the season. Going up against a Power 5 opponent, you're not going to have many opportunities like this. And so I get four and a half points in a game that I think Houston can win. I think there's a coaching advantage to Houston. I think there's an experience advantage to Houston. We've talked about those nine defensive starters that have to be replaced. I like Kate Clayton Toon at quarterback. And so, uh, you know, they got speed and athleticism, maybe a slight edge to Baylor, but I, I, don't, I don't think Houston is any slouch in that category as well. I, I think this game will be very fun. I think this game will be exciting. Uh, might be a little bit bumpy out the gates, maybe even for both teams, but 
I think Houston's the winner, and I get four and a half points of cushion on that. Give me the Cougs plus four and a half in Waco. You know, there's a trend that I'll get to in my first pick that I'm not applying to this game simply because it was put together at such a late, you know, juncture that I'm not sure that I'm kind of scared of using it for it. But I don't think Houston's a terrible play. They were, you know, when we get, I'm not picking them later, but they were under consideration for my money line sprinkle. So, yeah, the, you know, this is the third. Uh, season opening team that Dave Aranda has prepared mm-hmm. had to prepare for. Mm-hmm. They prepared for Ole Miss, then that got canceled. Then Louisiana Tech, then that got canceled. And they've had what like a week to prepare for this one. Um, not that Houston's had a lot of time to prepare for Baylor either. Um, but so, yeah, I, I think this is either a Baylor because um, like, I'm still not super. Uh, I don't trust Houston and Dana Holgerson like tremendously. No, you just hate what he did. You hate the tanking and you're letting it influence all of your analysis. No, no, I, I just, they're, they're, they're just kind of a little bit wily, you know, they're kind of hard to corral. And so I think, um, this is either going to be a big Baylor win or a Houston outright win. I think it's going to be one of the two, which is, which could, you know, a little foreshadowing maybe for my money line sprinkle. Let's just start off with the fight. Let's fight. Okay. Fight. 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 So I had this game circled, not as one of my favorite plays, but I'm just, I'm a little, I'm in a good mood. We had the Big Ten <laughs> back. I'm fired up. I've been getting into it on social media with some of these critics out there just taking their <laughs> shots at football. I'm, I'm a little bit, not calling you out, Chip, but I'm like, I'm feeling a little spicy. So I'm going to take you down in this one. I'm going to take the other side. Um, Charlie Brewer, 51 career touchdown passes. You got experience at quarterback position, the most important game. You lost the most important position of the game. You lost a ton on the defensive side of the ball of a team that was really good last year. You know who I trust with getting young guys ready to play even on short notice? Dave Aranda, defensive mastermind where his defense never finished worse than 31st in the country in the last seven years. That's consistent success. May not have quite the athletes, that might be an understatement, that he had at LSU, but I trust him schematically to have his guys ready. I can't stand. I'm with, I, don't like what, <laughs> I don't like what Dana Holgerson did. They were 4-8 and eight last year. But here's the thing. Clayton Toon, takers oh, taking over as the starter. When he took over after four games, he went two and five, 59% completion percentage, 11 touchdowns, nine interception. That is as pedestrian as it gets. I'm going to say the Dave Aranda era gets off with a big win. And when I say big win, I mean by more than four and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Let's go. We got a Love shootout in Waco. Fight right out the gate. God. I mean, Danny is, I mean, he, as the savior of college football, he <laughs> ought to be rolling into this, this locks episode with all kinds of energy and confidence. So this is, it might be the week to ride Danny. But this, by but- the way, last week I didn't have the shirt on, right? <laughs> cause I just got back from a run. <laughs> it's a good thing. I didn't go five and zero with my picks. Cause I guarantee you, I would have had no <laughs> shirt just, for the rest of the year nips all year long. <laughs> uh, what, by I'm- the way, one, one note for this game too. Houston, eight spring practices. Baylor, 
Zero. Mm, okay. Yes. Just something to keep in mind. Yes. <laughs> Love it. All right. Uh, Tom. Plus, all of last season was a spring practice for the most part. For <laughs> yeah, Houston, <laughs> 20 <laughs> spring practices. They had a whole season of scrimmages last yeah, year. Yeah, they did. All right. Uh, Bart and Tom, where y'all want to go? Um, I'll go next. I'll, so I will take this is this was an easy one for me. This was the this was the obvious one on this slate this week. Um, there's there are two teams that I have I'm principally uh, I think sort of ahead of the public on. Um, one being my fate of Syracuse, and one being my love of Pitt. All right, everyone's gonna like everyone sort of saw Syracuse's issues last week. And everyone maybe got a little taste of Pitt last week as well. Um, I know the number is big, 22. What, 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 can I get 21 and a half? 21 and a half. All right. So 21 and a half is the number. Um, but early in the season is where if you think your hunch is right on a team, uh, then you, you might as well play it because eventually Vegas is going to catch up. I think my hunch is right on Syracuse. I think my hunch is right on Pitt. Um they are meeting, and this is a. I think this is going to be a. I think it's going to be a blowout. I think first you look back at Pitt playing Syracuse last year, a, a an offense that was was more. Now, granted, Tommy DeVito was um, one less year, I guess, at that point experience, but it was an offense from a depth standpoint that was more equipped to be uh, competent, and successful, and Pitt had. Uh, what they have seven sacks last year? Uh, no, they had nine sacks last year. They had nine sacks against Syracuse last year, and Syracuse against North Carolina last weekend gave up seven sacks. Oh yeah, miss yeah, yeah, great call. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this pit defense is going to be totally suffocating, and I just think that this is a year when uh, this is going to be a long year for Syracuse, and I think Pitt is a team that is going to quickly emerge as like potentially one of the very top contenders in the ACC um, to challenge Clemson. And so in, in, in terms of this team. And so I just think this is the year of the favorite anyways. And we're getting uh, an opportunity now to contrast like my one of the teams that I'm lowest on versus one of the teams I'm highest on. Let's roll. I'm taking Pitt minus 22, 21 and a half. Anyone else got to play on it? Nope. My lean, kind of like it. Yeah, 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 I like it a lot. My lean was under, um, even at fifty, because I, I wonder, like, like what the govs have left. I mean, Austin P. Just, I mean, they they went what ten minute quarters in the second half after forty two nothing in the first half. I, uh, I don't, I don't know the, the. It feels like Syracuse won't score in this game, but at the same time, I'm a little bit hesitant. I like your play though. Pitt is without a doubt the better team, and you are you're the you're the king of the favorites in the year of the favorite. So stick to right. the brand, hundred percent. Yep. Tom, what do you got on the card? All right, I mentioned earlier with your game chip about a trend. I am going to Tulsa and Oklahoma State, where I am taking notice of this trend. It's something I've been tracking because I wanted to see how it might impact games with you know a truncated off season. So far this year. There have been 20 games played between teams who have not played yet. So, you know, season openers for both teams. The under is 14 and six in those 20 games. 
they have featured an average of 57 points, and the average total of the 20 games was 50.4 about. So they've been coming, you know, or I'm sorry, the, the average total from Vegas in those games was 57 points, and the games have finished with an average of 50.4 points per game. So they're coming up like a touchdown short of what that average total is. And also, of the six games that have gone over of those 20, None had a total higher than 55. This one is at 66 and a half. So I am taking Tulsa at Oklahoma State under 66 and a half. Lock it up. Lock agreement. I think that the Oklahoma State defense is not a unit that has been factored into this by the betting public. It is as deep of a unit and as experienced of a unit as Mike Gundy has had. Now, in terms of raw talent, like it's a little bit difficult to say, but there is so much confidence coming out of Stillwater in the defensive side of the ball that I think that you look at, uh, what's his name? Zach, what's Zach's last name? Tulsa quarterback. Smith. Zach Smith. Yeah, you look at Zach Smith and you're like, all right, well, you know, Tulsa should be able to hold their own in this game. They should be able to put up points. I don't think that happens. Uh, so I I like Oklahoma State's defense to help carry the way and take us to undertown. I don't have that sweet, sweet trend, but uh, until I'm proven otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and jump in on that offseason buzz from Stillwater and take the under in this game in the Pokes defense. I love it. I'm on it too. I had I had this game pegged. And initially, I came in thinking, I want to take Oklahoma State, lay the 23 and a half. I was, I was bullish on Oklahoma State. Then I started digging in. A lot of public money's thinking the same way. Hey, big debut for them. Um, and I totally understand why you could think the over could hit. Um, you know, Oklahoma State's going to score a lot of points. Not only Zach Smith returning, Keelan Stokes, they're uh, the best wide receiver. Shamari Brooks, their best running back, back from last year. You're thinking continuity. Tulsa is going to be able to put some points. They put up 21 on them last year. I think you're, I think people are overlooking Ohio, uh, Oklahoma State's defense this year as well. So, so I'm on the under two. So we've got three. Yep. Yeah. All right. Are we going to get four? Well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like opposed to it. I would. I'm kind of. So what? What's the projected score? What's What's Vegas saying the score is going to be? With a total of sixty six and a half, the spread's twenty three. So about forty four to like a eleven ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I, we'll, we'll save. We'll save the uh, the lock infinity for another day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He's, Last year it was forty twenty one, so it's yeah. kind of. In that so you've got you've got a little bit of faith in Tulsa's offense to at least get to fourteen. Eleven spring practices for the Tulsa offense. <laughs> <laughs> I like the spring practice philosophy. I can see it coming out. Uh, I mean, I, I I do like it's tempting. I do like your. I, I like the under. I think that's probably the right side. Um, I just. Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. For the sake of of um, camaraderie here, uh, let's 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 unite, let's, let's unite the clans. Unite the clans. Do it. To infinity and beyond. <laughs> infinity. What was that like, a reggae? Uh, 
you know, it's, I, I don't know, but I like it. I, I was like, the inspiration was, uh, like when you got the, like the star in uh, Mario Kart, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so was that, was that a chip original? Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's a sped up version of a, uh, like a cha-cha song. Okay. Well, he, he, chips like puffy. He's just sampling things. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I, uh, all right. Well, so I'm, so I'm, listen, this is, I'm just riding, riding y'all's coattails here. So let's do it. All right. Uh, then Tom, let's go back to you. All right. Uh, I will go right back to work here. Another game that I really like this week. And it's one that I've mentioned on the show earlier this week. I'm taking Louisiana tech plus five and a half against Southern miss. I have avoided actually betting it to this point and i'm sticking to my principles there but nothing has changed about my original thoughts for this game in that we saw southern miss against south alabama a team that looked wholly unprepared entirely disinterested in even being there and playing that game and getting you know pushed around by a south alabama team which no offense it's not like it's a sunbelt juggernaut it's been one of the bottom feeder teams in the sunbelt for a while or a mediocre sunbelt team so southern miss got absolutely crushed there fired their coach or he resigned depending on who you ask and now they're taking on a louisiana tech team that does lose a lot i understand that but they did win 10 games last year and obviously they lose jamar smith at quarterback and that's significant but they do still have justin henderson who was their leading rusher last year and rushed for over a thousand yards and a group of experienced receivers so i think that based on what from i saw from what i saw from that Southern Miss team, there is certainly no way in the world I can trust that team as a favorite right now. So give me the Bulldogs and the points. Lock it up. You don't trust Scotty Walden to just inject a little enthusiasm into that program? Uh, well, I don't think he could inject less than was in there in their game against <laughs> South Alabama. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, I had I actually had Southern Miss written down on my big card as, uh, as a possible play, but... Uh, I'm not playing it. No. Oh. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Danny, back to you. All right. I don't know about you guys. My book that I use, uh, actually, it's hard to, some of these lines are hard to find. So you guys tell me if this is right. Uh, Austin P. Cincinnati, noon game, ESPN Plus. Cincinnati, 32 and a half point favors. Is that what you guys are seeing? 33, uh, 33 and a half. 33 and a half. Man, yeah. that's the number I get. All right. I, uh, 52 and a half the total. So Austin P, third game in a row, they just got smoked by Pitt, 55 to nothing. That was ugly. They are 0-21 versus FBS opponents. This combined score in those games, they've lost is 1,000 to 175 <laughs> for an average of 47.6 <laughs> to 8.3. That is a difference of 39.3. It gets better. Four of those 21 that they have faced have been ranked. In those games, they've lost by a combined 230 to 43 for an average uh, total 57.5 to 10.8 for a difference of 46.7. Lay the 33.5. It'll be a comfy cruise to victory. Cincinnati wins big. That's an even thousand, a thou. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. Uh, Lock agreement. And that was before I knew all those numbers. (laughs) 
I can't find it. I'm mad because I wanted to actually put it in, and that might have been one of my favorites, which, word of caution, maybe that doesn't mean the exact uh, – is that I, I just love some of these numbers that came out. I can't find – some of these games are not on my book. I don't know if it's – I don't know if they know there's some unknown. They haven't come out with their protocols yet or their numbers of confirmed players, but I don't know why some are not and some are. I, don't I think know. you just see that with games with FCS teams where some books wait absolutely gotcha. as long as possible before they put up their line. Jump on it quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, I will take us to South Bend, where I want to keep the Notre Dame under train rolling. I really do. But I am a little bit concerned about my beloved Bulls and the result against the Citadel. Because the Citadel strung together multiple 10-play scoring drives against this South Florida defense. South Florida's defense is actually better in the secondary than it is up front. And Notre Dame's uh, not as strong offensively in the downfield passing attack. So we've got Notre Dame's strength in the trenches running the ball against South Florida's weakness. And we've got a lot of... I would say maybe motivation to not get off to the same kind of rocky start that they had against Duke. I think that the fighting Irish are going to run it up. I'm going to lay the 25 and a half with Notre Dame against USF. Sounds right. No other plays. I I mean, are are you even going to acknowledge your conflict of interest here. I did. And is this is this even like hard for you, like to do this? <laughs> like you act like you're you're like you're joyful. I would never be this excited about betting against my beloved Bulls. You're there, there's there's like joy in your heart right now, and it's it's troubling. I don't. I wonder about your fandom, Chip. You should because <laughs> my the fandom had me really digging in on the Citadel tape. And that is what has my heart totally cut off from my head from seeing that, man, that game was close. Like USF was not dominant against the Citadel there in that first game of the season. They won 27 to six, but it was a, it was like a second half pull away. I mean, did you see the, uh, the muff, the bungled punt that the Citadel had that led to the easiest punt return touchdown in the history of college football? No, I didn't see. Okay, so the snap, the punter is already standing in the back of the end zone. The snap goes to his feet. He picks it up and he tries to do one of those run away from the defenders and still get like a running punt off. But even that just kind of like trips over the goal line to a USF defender who catches it at the one and then just steps into the end zone for a touchdown. And after that, like the, the floodgates opened and the Bulls were able to pull away. But even then only pulled away for a 27 to six win game was seven to six into the first half. All right. I am in agreement. Oh, now I might be a bigger Jeff Scott fan, South Florida, South Florida bull fan than you. Jeff Scott was a ball boy at Florida state when I was there. And his dad, Brad Scott was the offensive coordinator my freshman year. So I've known him for a long time. Hope he does great. It was not exactly an inspiring win. As you mentioned, uh, three different quarterbacks played in the game, spread the ball around a lot. They did run for 300, uh, 302 yards, 
but I don't expect the same result versus Notre Dame's defense. I think Ian Book wants to bounce back. They found a running back in Kyron Williams who had an awesome game, went over 100 yards. I think they have their way. I think they can call their number. I don't think they run it up, though. So I'm going to add an under mm. to this bet at the best number I can get. I think it's 49, 49-ish, uh, even though it's low. I just think you're going to see yeah, uh, USF really struggle uh, in this game. So I'm going to take Notre Dame, laying the points, and the under. All right. I had this game in my six-pack this week, and I wasn't going to lock it up. But since you're both in lock agreement on it, it's time to have a lock fight, gentlemen. I am taking fight. Fight. I'm taking because I can get it South Florida plus 26 at Notre Dame. And my reasoning is pretty simple. Um, Kyron Williams was awesome for Notre Dame last week. I had no problem with Tommy Reese's play calling as the offensive coordinator. But concerns about a playmaker in the passing game for me in that Notre Dame offense still exist. And I wonder how explosive that offense can be outside of its running game based on what I saw. And that makes me a little hesitant to take it as nearly a four touchdown favorite, especially, you know, in a non-conference game. Furthermore, we talked about South Florida and how it kind of looks shaky at the Citadel. Like Danny mentioned, they used three quarterbacks in the game last week. Ten different players had at least one carry in the rushing game. 11 different players caught a pass in the passing game. They were approaching that game as their spring practice, as their scrimmage, as their prep, getting everybody involved. I don't think they really went into that game with like the game plan of, all right, let's beat the hell out of the Citadel. They were just trying to, you know, get, get just to get a feel for the season to get ready for this Notre Dame game. So I think, I don't think they're going to win, but I do think that they're going to be able to stay within this number. South Florida plus 26. We're fighting boys. So much fighting. I love it. Battles out here. All right. Coming up on the other side, more of our week three locks next. Two majors down and one to go in 2020. Bryson DeChambeau overpowered his peers at the U.S. Open. Can he carry that into November for a fall edition of the Masters? We're chatting about that and more on the First Cut Golf Podcast, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. We're in your feed week in and week out with tournament previews, picks, interviews, news, and analysis. Join Mark Himmelman, Kyle Porter, Greg Ducharme, and myself, Rick Gaiman, as we give you daily fantasy plays, winning bets, and the hottest takes about Bryson, Phil, and Tiger. So what are you waiting for? Come join our group and let's talk golf. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. Do me a favor and blink, please. Did you blink? That's how fast the Major League Baseball season went in 2020. The postseason is already upon us. Whether it's baseball news, you on NFL, college football, water polo, chess, movies, if there's a story, we'll have it covered every weekday, five days a week. Just subscribe and download on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever else you find your podcasts. No BS, no soft tosses, no hot takes. You know, it's always business. It's nothing personal. All right, Danny, uh, let's go back to you. What do you got? 
So I had Clemson versus Wake uh, last week two ways, right? I had them laying the points, and I had the under. Laying the points lost, obviously, as Wake covered there. It, was, it felt good in the third quarter. Felt like, man, this is going to cruise to victory. Um, still did win the under. So what's the total? In this, or excuse me, what's the spread in this game? I'm not playing the spread, essentially, is what I'm telling you. 45 uh, and a half. I, I think this game is going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be over. Uh, we've seen rolling clocks before. I think this could be a rolling clock type of situation at the end of this one. I'm going to take the under 57 and a half. I think Clemson's defense showed you with Miles Murphy, Brian Brzee. They've got some studs up there. I think they're going to shut down Citadel. I think even their backups could shut down Citadel. Um, they did beat them in 2017, 61 to three. So there's a little bit of a you know a little bit of nervousness that they might drop another 60 burger on them. But I think they'll keep it respectable. I think it'll be under the 57 and a half. What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So much friendship. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like, it's... Oh, we had to set the line. I was on CBS Sports HQ on Tuesday. Line wasn't out yet. Classic FCS situation. And they were like, all right, Chip, set the line. I said, one and a half under quarters that Trevor Lawrence plays in this game. I think he is on the bench. And then, hold on. DJ DJ Uyagalale. <laughs> Uyagalale. Yeah, you got it. Uyagalale. Yeah, the keys the Uy, the Aga and then the the Lale. I think there's kind of an ung in there. An yeah. Ung. Okay. Uyunga. All right, yeah. I'm working on it. Working on it. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you, Danny. I think that and you want to talk about running clock. We just mentioned it. Citadel had two 10-play drives against USF last week. Of course, they both ended in field goals. So uh yeah, I, I like that. Let's uh, let's get on that under. All right, Danny, what else you got? All right, so I'm going to give you my money line sprinkle on the game that is in prime time. 7.30, ABC, Miami goes into Louisville as a two-and-a-half-point dog in this situation. Everyone loves uh, Louisville. They're on them laying the two and a half points. Scott Satterfield, year two, ton of excitement around that program. Wasn't exactly a spectacular win against Western Kentucky in week one. Did win by two touchdowns. Mikhail Cunningham did have 343 yards, looked better. Miami did not cover, right? Last Thursday night versus UAB. They did cover. They They did cover that game. I know the under hit. I can't remember if they covered. I think they did. I think it was a last minute cover. Um, And anyway, Deere King wasn't spectacular, right? It wasn't the fireworks, the offensive fireworks that we thought we were going to see. There were a lot of plays that were left open on the field. The one that was hurts the most, and I'm sure this is one that Lashley, the OC, and Derek King are probably losing sleep over. There was a little RPO to the right. You wanted the corner to step up and think the quarterback was running. He did. Receiver gets behind him, wide open, left touchdown on the field. Uh, I think you're going to iron out some of those kinks with a Another, uh, uh, first of all, a game under your belt if De'Ara King. Um, you found your running back in Cameron Harris, who went well over 100 yards. Your defense, I think, played pretty well against UAB. I think Miami, and now normally, I'm assuming, I haven't seen where game day is going. Like, it, normally, Louisville's a tough place to play. It's kind of sneaky. Uh, they have a lot of excitement there. No one has the capacity. No one has the atmosphere that they're normally going to have. 
So I don't think that's an issue. I think Derek King showed you flashes of what he can do running the football. So I think even if plays break down, even if some of the issues crop up in the passing game, he can mask those in the run game. I'm going to say Miami wins outright on the road at Louisville. Big win for Manny Diaz. Money line sprinkle. I'm looking at it plus 115 for Danny. There's 125 out there. All right. Shop around, shop around. Uh, I've got a play on this game that I feel like I need to get in now because I've lost all the value on it. But I am going to be taking the over 64 and a half. You know, we talk about strengths and weaknesses here. Miami's defense under Manny Diaz, the back to when he was defensive coordinator, has been very, very solid. One of the best in the ACC. I think that this year's Miami defense up front, Quincy Roche, Jalen Phillips, they're still very, very good. But I think they can kind of be had on the back end, especially trying to keep track of Tutu Atwell and Des Fitzpatrick. I think Mikhail Cunningham as a downfield passer is going to present all kinds of problems. And Louisville's defense, like, you know, how much can we take away from the way it played against Western Kentucky in terms of what kind of improvement they have there? I think Miami is going to be able to run the ball as well. So, again, I I acknowledge here we've lost almost five points of value from where this opened, but I still think it is the right side. I think we're buckling up. We're rooting for touchdowns. Whoever's got it last wins. Uh, Give me the over 64.5 in the ACC game of the week. So this one's on my card as well. I guess I could play the money line. Uh, I mean, it's 2.5, but – I'm going to play Miami just taking the points. Um, this is, this is a head, not heart play for me. Like this is, this is very painful to go against to Satterfield against <laughs> Satterfield. And it's, and it, it just feels like it just, it, it like, I, I think I said it earlier in the week. Like my, like, I don't trust Miami here. Like I, I, I kind of trust Louisville more. That said, I think when you look at the matchups, I mean, Louisville's offensive line didn't look great against Western Kentucky. They've Miami has a uh, a defensive line that can really, I think, give them some problems. Um, Miami's Miami's run game was really effective. That's something that Louisville, dating back to last year, has had a hard time stopping teams that can really run the football. You know, maybe they showed some indications that they've improved last week, but I don't think you can really take that to the bank. Um, I, I I don't love this pick. But it just feels like Miami catching points as a more talented team. And by the way, 24-7 Sports team talent composite is is still going to come out, we hope, soon. But uh, a little hint on, on, on what it looks like. Miami's a lot higher than Louisville on that thing. And so I, I, I just still think that this is uh, – I'm not sure Miami should be an underdog here. You so know, I'm taking I, Miami. I came into this show – thinking that I was going to be fighting with Barton on this game because I thought, oh, well, Barton's definitely going to be back in his beloved <laughs> Scott Satterfield, Louisville Cardinals. But it turns out we got a lock agreement. All right. For me, you, you mentioned a lot of it, but I also think this is a bad matchup for Louisville specifically because the one thing we saw from Miami in that UAB game was they've got, you know, they can run the ball. Like Red Lashley, they, they figured out what they do and what they could do well with Derek King and Cameron Harris, and they just ran all over UAB, which was, you know, by traditional measures and by, you know, advanced kind of analytical measures, a good run defense for most of the last few years. And Miami kind of ran through them. Well, if you look at Louisville, 
Louisville hasn't been a very good run defense in recent years. Last year, this is a team that allowed 205.8 rushing yards per game, which ranked 112th nationally, and 5.4 yards per carry, which ranked 120th nationally. So if Rhett Lashley, Derek King, and Cameron Harris were able to run all over UAB, I'm pretty confident that they're going to be able to run the ball pretty well against Louisville. So if I'm going to catch two and a half points with them and you add in that talent advantage like Barton was alluding to, I'll take the Canes and the points too. Mm, love it. The uh, All right, so Danny, are you tapped out? You got anything else? Yeah, I'm good. I am tapped out. I do have to run, so I have to bounce early. But I'm going to pay attention to the sheet that we got open, our uh, working document. <laughs> And I might, I might have to like text you guys. Text hey, in a fight. Is that going to be allowed? Is that going to be allowed? <laughs> as long as long as you get it in before before the end of showtime. Yeah. All right. I, I'm going to keep it open. I think that's fair. I actually, I, I'll, I won't do this again. I committed to this a while ago. I have to hop on Colin Cowherd's show. Like a little name drop there. But I'm going to pay attention during the interview. I'm going to get a cover three podcast plug in there too. Yeah. If you can drop a cover three podcast on Cowherd, then we Done. will allow it. Okay. Done. All right. All right cool. I'll talk to you guys in a bit. All right, so Barton, you've got uh, three locks on the board. Where do you want to go next? Okay, um, so I, I think I'm st- this. One of my guiding principles in this week's locks has is and has been just sort of the the COVID era, you know, principles. The you know the spring the, practice, following <laughs> the indicators and the clues that the COVID era is, is giving us. And so with that said, I feel like there's a right side and a wrong side to the wake NC state game. Mm. Uh, the line is what NC state two and minus a two and a half. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. So wake had five spring practices. NC state had zero mm-hmm. wake beat NC state last like they killed him. Like what was it, like 44 to 10 or something like mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not going to different deer, different teams, but wake also has a game this year under its belt. Um, I do acknowledge that NC state will be better up front this year. They're, they bring back experience on the offensive line. I think NC state's probably a better team than I gave them credit for. Like when, even when we were talking uh, about, you know, ACC win totals a while back. That said, like Sam Hartman's an experienced quarterback. Wake's got a game under his belt. Uh, NC State has a new offensive coordinator and Tim Beck coming in. Like, I think that the 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 year of 2020 uh, indicators tell me that you take a team like Wake in this spot catching points. So I, I will take Wake plus the two and a half. I. I have no good read on this game. My gut says Wake because we have seen Wake, you know? And I just, I got no idea what to expect from NC State, which is, like, yeah, love Bam Knight at running back. Are you expecting Devin Leary to take steps forward? That offense was just woeful down the stretch. I mean, they lost six straight games to close the season. Like, there's, there is a lot of reason for all of your uh, recent memory, including three straight Wake Forest wins in the series. But I uh, I don't know, man. You're probably on the right side. But if NC State comes out rejuvenated, I, uh, I'll, I'll have to adjust my power ratings for them as well. I think there's a few, like the, especially in a week like this where the body of work isn't, isn't that significant for any of these teams, I'm just going to blindly take a couple of these where the, the, all the 
COVID 2020 boxes are checked on one side and not on the other. And so this feels like one of them that even if I don't have a feel in the gut, I got to I, I gotta go where the, the, the data has taken me. All right. I, I know what to expect in this game. Ooh. Under? Under 53 and a half. Lock it up. Uh, obviously, you can't hold anything Wake did against it for the Clemson game because it was playing Clemson. But still, watching that game, there wasn't a whole lot in the Wake Forest offense I saw that, you know, made me feel, you know, pretty good about it going forward. I think it'll probably be fine in the long run, but I don't like it much now. And then there's NC State, which managed an ACC worst 16.1 points per game in ACC play last season. And it's playing its first game of the year. And as we've seen, offenses are looking rusty to start the season. So I don't think this is going to be a high scoring affair. And the trends back it up too. the under is 20 and nine. In state's last 29 conference games, it's 10 and four in Wake's last 14 conference games. So I put those trends together with NC State's offense being horrible last season and Wake's offense not really looking like anything special last week. And I think that the under here, I wouldn't be surprised if these two teams barely break 40 points, let alone 53 and a half. So that's what I'm locking up. Uh, It is too bad that this game isn't a noon kickoff because we've got the remnants of Sally coming through right now. I guess it was, Mm. I don't even know if it was a tropical depression, but it's, I mean, it's really rainy right now and the, it is not supposed to stop being windy and rainy all through the weekend, 10 to 15 mile an hour winds. But as we know, that could favor NC state. You think so? Because I I mean, NC state, I think their strength is their run game and their offensive line. And, uh, I mean, it's going to be, you know, throwing the football, I feel like it's something that Wake's got to do better. Is, is more of a prerequisite to Wake than NC State. I, I can't believe I didn't mention it, but thank you for bringing it up, Chip. Wonder. <laughs> but the wind is powered by the sun, and the sun is not going to be high at 8 p.m. Science. Yeah, but we're talking we're talking crosswinds. Yeah, here, we crosswinds but. in Carter Finley Stadium. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's super windy all through the weekend as uh, as tropical depression Sally makes her way on through the mid-Atlantic on in back into the Atlantic Ocean. I kind of like your underplay better than my play, but <clears throat> I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow the leader again. Uh, I'll, I'll stick with it. I feel, I mean, this is a, this is a definite gut play and one that, um, you know, is a little bit dicey based on where the market is and, and what's happened here. But I think that Dylan Gabriel is a significantly more, uh, significantly more of a threat as a downfield passer than James Blackman. I think that UCF, I think that offense is much more explosive than Florida state. And I wonder if number one, there could be some built in overreaction to Georgia tech's win. If number two, you might be in a little bit of a letdown spot, not only for an emotional factor, but also for the fact that that whole day included the weather delay. You know, you're just kind of a lot of sitting a lot, sitting around, sort of a draining experience for the Yellow Jackets. The Knights have been, you know, just sort of spinning in circles, trying to get ready to get out and get firing. I, I'm going to take UCF and I'm going to lay the seven and a half. I've got a, I've got another. Uh, interesting decision to make on this game for a little bit later in the show. But for right now, I think that I'm going to take this, uh, the more explosive offense to be able to get things done in Atlanta. 
I would like it a lot more if it was under seven. I know. That's what I'm because it was at seven and then it got up to seven and a half. But it might like if the Florida State game had not happened, I think that this is nine and a half or ten. Yeah. But we'll see. I will say I'm not taking it, but it's gonna be windy. Mm. Who does that that, who does that help or hurt? I think I I think it would probably hurt Central Florida more than it would hurt Georgia Tech, honestly. But Dylan Gabriel's from Hawaii. He can throw it through the wind. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I mean, it's it is our first look at UCF, a team that we expect to compete for the American Athletic Conference Championship, and it is uh, another look at Georgia Tech. And the result will tell us a lot about Georgia Tech and about Florida State. So uh, we'll be dialed into that one. Florida State, who, by the way. Off this week, y'all know what their next game is? Miami. It's gonna be yeah. They 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 could things could get dicey for the Knowles mm-hmm. uh, coming up in the next little bit. So uh, none none of my picks this week like really feel good. Like none of them none of them when I say them am I well with the exception of Pitt Syracuse. But none of them when I say them am I like enthusiastic about it's not that this isn't about feel this week this is about cold hard data and i i'm gonna i'm gonna fight you on this one yes fight 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 i I think that's a big deal that georgia tech got a game in last weekend i think that's a big deal that they played well i think it's a big deal that they beat florida state they left some points on the board they could have beat them worse um i think this team is I think they they've got some momentum. They believe now that UCF has a lot of guys that are opting out. Uh, you know, not necessarily a lot of starters that are opting out, but they're. I mean, this is. But this wasn't exactly this sure. wasn't recent. Like they opted out more than two weeks ago. We've had an yeah, adjustment I'm, time. I'm just saying, like the the depth and and game one. You know, shaking off the rust a little bit. I, I don't necessarily think that Georgia Tech is going to win but I do I do think that uh like hey, I could be making a huge mistake by overvaluing a week one win over a bad Florida State team um but I'm going to trust what we've seen so far and I'm going to say that Georgia Tech is a solid team that UCF is going to have some 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 uh, squeaky wheels that they got to oil up early in the game and uh I, I think it's I think it's close love it Absolutely love it. Uh, all right, Tom, you got anything else? I have one game that I was considering adding to the card, but I wasn't originally planning on having the Notre Dame South Florida game in there, and I added that. So I'm kind of on the fence of whether I want to throw this on there because I've also made that de- declaration at the start of the season that I wasn't just going <laughs> to throw a bunch of games on the card to do it. So I'm having a little war here with myself, but uh, yeah, no, I'm done. Decision made. Uh, Barton. Uh, so I've got I've got one more one more play before the sprinkle. Uh, again, just same, same spiel I've been given. Um, I Duke and Boston college. There is plenty of reason to think Boston college could be sneaky. Good. Plenty of reason. But one reason I think they won't be sneaky. Good is their defense sucked last year and their offense as, as many players as it appears they might have on that group 
is uh, breaking in a new head coach with a new offensive coordinator and a new quarterback without any spring practice, I think it might not look very good. And, and Duke has a game under his belt, a game in which they look pretty good. The defense has got players. Chase Bryce is a dude. Um, so, yeah, you're going to lay five and a half. I'll take it. Give me Duke. I like it. I like it a lot. It was six, and then it's moving to five and a half. And I don't know who who feels real confident about the Jeff Halfley era, but the a quote from David Cutcliffe, I thought at times we were outstanding. We just need those outstanding times to be replicated a little <laughs> more often <laughs> against Boston College, and I think they will come. Uh, and, Tom, I cannot believe you're – dude, I am – I'm spraying the board right now. Uh, do you, let me see if I can tempt you into this. It's fallen below a key number, but we've got Navy and we've got Tulane. Are there any 49s left out there in the marketplace? Uh, no, I don't care. Let's go Navy <laughs> Tulane under 48 and a half as a daggum principle. I just think that this clock is going to drip, 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 drip right off the scoreboard <laughs> as these two teams move the ball on the ground. And hold on, let me, this, we're, uh, we're in New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we're going to be dealing with some windy conditions. Yeah, no, there's there's supposed to be some rain and there's supposed to be some wind, but it's also supposed to be kind of warm and you know, you can't the heat doesn't help with the wonders as much. Okay, but I I still like it. I, I just as a like you show me Navy Tulane on the board, I'm going to be like under. And then you show me some, you know, potentially tough conditions cuz we saw Navy try to pitch the ball around a little bit through the air in their blowout loss. And we know that Tulane isn't totally committed to running. It's more of a modernized option attack. I just too, too much is stacked up. And especially with the noon kick, that is just a, that's just exactly what I want to be doing at noon It's rooting for an under in Navy Tulane. So let's go. My, my concern with this is that Navy defense did not inspire. And I know it wasn't, you know, no tackling all that stuff, but it's just, did not inspire much confidence against BYU in their opener because BYU was just getting anything it wanted at any time. And while Tulane's run defense last season or last week was was great in their season opening win, last year this was a unit that still you know gave up four point three yards per carry, which isn't horrible, but it's not great either. And I just don't know how they're going to be able to hold up against an option attack. So I I'm with you in spirit, and I was looking at this game, but I I just can't. Any that's it. No, any other locks on on the card? I'm done. I, I, I'm sticking to my I'm sticking to my guns. All right. Before we get to the money line sprinkles to review, uh, Louisiana four. Tom, Louisiana Tech plus five and a half at Southern Miss. Uh, the Oklahoma State against Tulsa under sixty six and a half. That is our lock infinity first one in Cover Three podcast Yay. history. Uh, Cincinnati minus thirty three and a half against Austin P. Miami plus two and a half against Louisville, South Florida plus 26 in South Bend against Notre Dame and the wake NC state under 53 and a half for Barton. 
Spartans got Pitt minus 21 and a half against Syracuse. Oklahoma State and Tulsa, again, under 66 and a half. Wake plus two and a half against NC State. Miami plus two and a half at Louisville. Loving these short road dogs. Short hair dogs for Barton Simmons this week. Uh, Georgia Tech plus seven and a half against UCF. And Duke minus five and a half against Boston College. For me, got Houston plus four and a half at Baylor. Uh, the under 66 and a half, of course, in Stillwater. Louisville, Miami, over 64 and a half. Get it quick. Line's been moving up. Clemson, Citadel, under 57 and a half. Notre Dame, minus 25 and a half. UCF, minus seven and a half. Duke, minus five and a half. What a lunatic. Uh, and Navy at Tulane, under 48 and a half. Danny with the Baylor, minus four and a half against Houston. Cincinnati, minus 33 and a half against Austin P. Clemson Citadel, under 57 and a half. Notre Dame, minus 25 and a half. And the Notre Dame USF, under 49. We mentioned the lock infinity with Oklahoma State, Tulsa, under. We got a lock fight in Houston Baylor. Choose your fighter, Chip or Danny. We've got a lock fight in Notre Dame, South Florida. Choose your fighter, Tom on the Bulls and Chip and Danny on the Irish. We've got a lock fight in UCF, Georgia Tech. Choose your fighter, Barton on the Bees and Chip on the Knights. Lock agreements for Duke minus five and a half, Cincinnati minus 33 and a half, the under in Clemson Citadel. And, uh, and I think that's pretty much everything. All right, on to... The money line sprinkles, Danny. By the way, I'm already having. I'm already feeling like I made a big mistake jumping on the lock infinity. But I'm gonna <laughs> stay positive. <laughs> uh, all right, so Danny is gonna be taking Miami plus one twenty-five. Tom, what's your money line sprinkle? Miami plus one twenty-five. I'm taking them on the spread in the locks, and I really think that Miami has a very good shot of winning the game. So at plus one twenty-five, it's a short dog. It's not a juicy, exciting kind of taking Louisiana or you know somebody like that last week. But I'm taking the money. I'm taking Miami plus one twenty-five. All right, Barton. Yeah. So I uh, I gave a little bit of a hint at this earlier in the show. I'm not super excited to take. Houston plus four and a half because I could I could very easily see Baylor coming in there and just being better. Um, but I think there, there's a, a real scenario that exists here that is, um, you know, one of two scenarios of Baylor either winning significantly or Houston winning straight up. And I think those are almost basically like equal chance of happening. And so I, I feel like value is there. Uh, Houston with the money line. Uh, what is, what is it at? I think it was like, uh, let me see, uh, 150, yes. 165, 165. So give me Houston, uh, plus one. Oh, I found 170 for you. I'll take that too. All right. I've got two money line sprinkles for here. The first <laughs> one. And one of them is Houston. Uh, I'm, I will take that 170. And then the other one is Georgia tech. And can I get Georgia tech at plus two thirty five? Georgia Tech. Let's see. Because I don't want to ignore 240. The awesome storyline that would be Georgia Tech opening up 2 and 0 with wins against Florida State and UCF. I don't want to ignore the momentum that might be coming out of that win against the Seminoles and I I am in and way too optimistic about the Jeff Collins era. So, yes, I do have a lock that's UCF minus 7 and a half. But 
sprinkles are sprinkles for a reason. And mm-hmm. if they're like a, a Georgia Tech cover, like that, that wouldn't make me happy. You know, that's that's still a loss. But if Georgia Tech <clears throat> wins the Dagum game, boy, I'd, I'd I'd like to get some reward out of that one because that's just that's just a fun storyline to follow. So sprinkle that Georgia Tech money line. We're going double dip with sprinkles here in week three. UCF by seven, book it. <laughs> Lose the lock fight and the money line sprinkle. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, I've got a, a very dangerous uh, middle losing on that one for sure. Uh, all right. Any, it's, so we're, we're all out. Every, all the picks are on there. All the sprinkles are out there. Mm-hmm. All right. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Stage kicks off Tuesday on CBS All Access. There's nothing like it.